0: Welcome to the Martinskirk podcast, a publication of sermons and lessons from Trinity Reformed Church of Martinsburg. Trinity Reformed exists to declare the victory of Jesus Christ through worship and practice to the ends of the earth. To learn more about our congregation, visit martinskirk.com. Our sermon passage this morning comes from 1 1 John chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. Hear the word of God. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves him who begot also loves him who is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, Our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world, but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Amen. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts this morning be pleasing to you, O Lord, our rock and our nearest kinsman. And I pray that as we understand your word this morning, that our hearts will be turned toward you, that we will desire to be cleansed of our sin, to turn to Christ, to believe on Him for the remission of our sins and our life. And I pray that we will do that this morning as we do every day. In humble reliance on You and obedience to Your commands. Through Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Now we do not and we cannot choose when, how, or from whom we are born. I don't know if you've noticed this about your own birth. (laughs) right? If you think about your own birth, if you notice this, you didn't choose your family. you didn't choose your city or even the nation that you were born into. And most of us here were probably born in America. Most of us were probably born into a family unit unit, no matter how stable or unstable that particular unit was at the time. And we did not choose our names. We did not choose our economic status growing up. We didn't choose the laws that we must follow the traditions that we received, or even our food choices. Right? We didn't choose any of that. And there is much to life that is not chosen. In fact, most of life is not chosen. When you are born, you're born into a life that includes more than just breath, more than just bodily function, more than just water and food. You're born into social norms. You're born into laws and relationships, into social standings. There are are things that you must learn and obey, that you must follow, that you must do. There's an etiquette that you must learn, and responsibilities that you must uphold. There's a responsibility about being born in the world that we, we didn't choose for ourselves. And this is because we are social creatures. We are social creatures. When we are born, we only learn about ourselves after we learn about others learn about those closest to us, who, who we interact with. A child recognizes her mother's face before her own. We are dependent upon one another for life, for love, for comfort, for assurances, for food, for play, for everything. We are dependent. We are born with faith toward those around us to provide for us and care for us. And we're born with a love for those who do that for us. And the same is true for the new birth. The same is true for a new birth. For our birth as a son or daughter of God. We are born into a new life. A new community. A new father in heaven. A new elder brother to imitate. We are born into a new culture and spirit to conform to. And the purpose of all these things is to bring us to the glory. To glory in the person of Jesus Christ. To bring us up. Into the person of Christ Jesus. And this is exactly what St. John shows us in the first few verses of chapter 5. He shows us the whole lifespan of the child of God. The whole lifespan of the child of God. Those begotten of God are given faith in his son Jesus, along with his love for the Father and the church. And throughout their lives, they grow up in that faith and love until its completion in the victory over the world of sin, Satan, and death. This is the whole lifespan of a Christian. The new birth that we have in Christ brings us to to love God and trust in him. And to love his children, obey his commands, and ultimately overcome the world. So how is one born of God? How is one born of God? John tells us that whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. But notice he's not describing how one is born of God. He's describing who is born of God. Those who believe. Those who believe. And this is an important distinction that needs to be made. Why? Because we cannot attribute anything of us, even our own trust and our own faith, to our new birth. Now this does not mean that faith has nothing to do with the new birth. In fact, quite the contrary, it has everything to do with the new birth. John says in John chapter one, but as many as received him, that is trusted in him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Paul describes elsewhere, elsewhere, for by grace you have been saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. So faith is the instrument through which we receive this new life. But even our faith is a gift. Even our faith is not originally our own. Our faith is a gift because it is not our faith that we live. But the faith of Jesus Christ. Now in most, uh, most translations of Galatians chapter 2, verse 20 in your Bibles, you'll see something along the lines of this. You'll, you'll, hear, you'll, you'll read this. I have been crucified with Christ... It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. Right? But the King James translation actually does a little bit better job of what the original meaning is getting after. The King James says, Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. When we die to ourselves and are united to the death of Christ we are also raised to Christ raised in Christ to receive all of him all of him that includes his faith that includes his faith we are dead in trespasses and sins and are made alive in Christ alive in his life in faith and love and it becomes our own it becomes our own So faith is the instrument through which we are saved. And Jesus is the object of our faith. He is our salvation. But this faith is also a fruit of that new birth in Christ. It's also a fruit. To be born again is to be brought into a life of faith. It is a life of maturing in the faith that we have been given. The faith we have been united to. Trusting the Lord for our preservation, our perseverance and our provision just as an infant trusts in his parents to provide for his every need a child born of god a child born of god does the same in this trust this faith is nurtured by love this is the same with our own children right love is why we are born of god in the first place but love is also what sustains and grows our faith to maturity Now, love is also a fruit of the new birth. John says, And everyone who loves him who begot, that is God who begot, also loves him who is begotten of him. Faith is most certainly a mark of those begotten of God, but so is love. So is love, because God is love. Those who are begotten of God love God because God loved them first. And those begotten of God love others who are sons and daughters of him. We are born into a life of love. Receiving the love of the Father and reciprocating that love to one another. A community and life of love. And because our trust is in God, who is love, our love increases our faith, our trust. Faith and love are interconnected. You do not love that which you do not trust, and you do not trust that which you do not love. St. Peter tells us, Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God which lives and abides forever. So the reason for loving one another with a pure heart is rooted and founded in the fact that we have been born again for that purpose. We have been born to a new life of love, A pure heart is an incorruptible heart. And this is the heart that we have been given in Christ. We have been born by the spirit of love so that we must love also. But this is not just a command to love one another. It is a command to love one another. Right? We see that all throughout the book of John. But it's also the realization that since we are commanded to love one another, we too will experience that love from the brethren, from brothers and sisters in the church. It's not just a command to love, but a promise that we will be loved. This new life is not just a life with the responsibility to love, but a life with the promise that we will experience the love of God through others as well. And Paul exhibits this mentality in his words to the Corinthians when he says this. He says, Now for the third time I am ready to come to you, and I will not be burdensome to you, For I do not seek yours, that is your possessions, but you. For the children ought not to lay up for the parents, but the parents for the children. And I will very gladly spend and be spent for your souls. Though the more abundantly I love you, the less I am loved. So he spends himself for the brethren. He he expresses the love of God to the church, not expecting love in return. And this is the kind of love that is waiting to be experienced for those who are begotten of God. A selfless love. Now it is a selfless love, but that means that it is a love that obeys as well. Obedience is involved in this love. It is a love that puts aside the self for the sake of God and man. And what is best for man but the word of God? So it is imperative that love obeys. It is imperative that love obeys. If your child does not obey you, are they loving you? Love is more than words. Love is more than words or feelings. Because God's word is more than just words. There is action attached. He acts in his speech. Faith works through love. Love is manifest in our actions for one another as well as our words. So St. John says... For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments. That we keep His commandments. A child born into a family is nurtured by the love of that family and community. So that they live a certain way. So that they move and act in the world in a certain manner. According to a certain etiquette. So that they receive the traditions and practices of the culture that they were nurtured by. If we receive the love of God and faith... Of Christ, if we receive those things from God, are we not also to walk as He walked? To use that love and faith for the purposes of Christ and His church in the world. Another way to look at it is through the the Christ and bride, the husband and bride paradigm here. Ought not the church, who is the bride of Christ, submit to Christ in all things? That includes obedience. Christ loves us and has given himself for us, and we are to respond with a gentle and quiet spirit, honoring and submitting to Christ and his judgments and his laws. And this is what love looks like, and it is what life looks like. A child learns to obey so that when the child matures, it will receive glory and honor and distinction. This is the trajectory of life. Birth, training and obedience... And then glorying in the blessings of that life. And for this reason, the Lord's commands are not burdensome. They are not burdensome. In fact, the whole purpose of the law of God is to lift burdens. That is the purpose of God's commandments to lift burdens from us. Jesus told us that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. The yoke of the world is not easy. The yoke of the world is not easy. It feels that way because we are inclined by sin, our sinful natures to, to love it and to desire it. But it is not easy. It only feels that way because that yoke is natural, a natural result of the fall. Of sin entering into the world. The world has a yoke that is impossible to bear. And Jesus made this clear to the Pharisees in the first century when he said this. For they bind heavy burdens, hard to bear And lay them on men's shoulders. But they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. So it's a a yoke that they themselves will not be able to bear. It's a yoke that you cannot bear. The world's yoke is not easy. It is not light. But the purpose of the law of God is not to increase burdens. It's not to uh, keep more judgments and burdens upon you. But to lift them. And if you look throughout the the Old Testament laws, you'll see this. If you actually have the eyes to see, you'll see this, right? The Sabbath laws, for example, were all about giving rest, not just for yourself, but for others. Is your ox stuck in a ditch? Help your brother on the Sabbath, right? Help him. Help your brother to pull it out. You're starving on the Sabbath. You don't have any food. Your neighbor shall let you eat of their field. God's law is not burdensome. The burden is sin. The burden is death. The burden is condemnation. That is the true burden. Jesus says to cast that burden off and receive his by faith. Trust in him and he will give you rest. But because of sin, because of this burden in the world, there is something that we must overcome in order to receive the glory that is promised by God. In Hebrews chapter two, it says, "But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, might test de- taste death for everyone. For it is fitting for him, for whom all things, for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons to glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. So, what he's saying here." Is that there is something beyond, there is something, there is something, a purpose for Christ's work, his suffering and his dying for you. There is a purpose. It is to bring you to glory. It is to bring sons to glory. Death must be overcome, which means sin must be done away with. And our Lord Jesus is the one who overcame death, who has cleansed us from sin. In him we taste death. In our baptisms we taste death. And in him, we taste life through faith in him. In the crown of glory by which Jesus was crowned was life everlasting. And this eternal life overcomes the world of death and sin. And for this reason, whatever is born of God overcomes the world. John says, this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Now, of course, we, we've covered this. Our faith is a gift from God. It is his faith that we receive, and it is truly ours when we receive it. It is a gift of God, it's the faith of Christ. So it is, is nothing of us that overcomes the world. Christ has overcome the world. John says in John chapter 16: In the world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And this is the glory of life. This is the glory that is promised. By God, For those who fear him and obey his commands. The glory of life is found in the person of Jesus Christ and he loves us and gave himself for us. He has given us his faith and he has overcome the world. We are united to this person in our new birth. The gift of God being transferred from the the headship of Adam to the headship of Christ. And through this union, we too overcome the world by our faith in him. Romans chapter 8, verse 37. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. It is interesting the the parallels between the trajectory of new birth, faith-filled obedience and glory, and the life of David in the scriptures. And this is because we are kings and priests. This is the path of a king. Those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that is, the king our sons as well. Kings are given new life with new standards and responsibilities. Kings are to be obedient to Christ, the king of all kings, and trust in his word and promises in their leadership. Kings receive the glory of victory over their enemies when they trust in the Lord and follow his ways. We are kings and priests of God and our lives have the same trajectory of those who live by faith and love God and the brethren. And this should be of great comfort for us. This should be of great comfort for us. God does not back out of His promises. He does not back out of His promises. He has promised that you are a child of God if you believe on Him, if you love Him and keep His commandments. If you have been born from above by His grace, you are His children. And all three of these requisites, belief, love, and obedience... All three of these requisites are interconnected. They're interconnected. If you love God, you will trust in Him and keep His commandments. If you trust God, you will love Him and keep His commandments. If you truly keep His commandments, that is by faith, you will necessarily have to love Him and to trust in Him. But we can only do this. We can only trust, love, and obey the Lord because He first loved us and has given us new life in Christ. It is all by grace. Dead men do not love. Dead men do not trust or obey. They may vote, but they don't love, right? But those who are alive in Christ are alive to a new way of living. They're alive to a new way of living. And this way of living leads to eternal life. It is the way of eternal life, a glory and honor that cannot be comprehended. And you, Christian have been given this promise of life everlasting. You've been given this promise. It's been shown to you. It's been shown to you in in his word, in his preaching. Preaching the word from the scriptures. It's been shown to you in this meal that we are going to partake of. It's been shown to you in your baptisms. It's been shown to you that this, this, this promise of everlasting life is for you. Because he loves you. And the yoke of sin, Satan, and death... Are drowned, and you are brought safely into the ark of God, sprinkled with the spirit-filled waters of heaven. You have landed in a new earth. You have been given a new life, a new kingdom, to live and move and love like God loves you. And this promise is for those who believe that Jesus is the Christ. It is for those who trust the King of Kings. And this is this is the opposite of burdensome living. This is the opposite. Of a yoke that is too, too much to bear. This is true freedom. True freedom. To walk in the light as he is in the light. To trust and obey our heavenly father. To love him and one another. And to experience that love and communion together. This life is truly a life of glory and grace. So little children, do not be burdened by the law of God. It is the law of perfect liberty. Do not believe the lie that it's just easier to live like you're still in the old world, like you're still under the old bondage. It is not. There is no freedom there. There is no life there. There is no love there. Only bondage, shame, and death. And we have been chosen for a new life. We have been chosen for a new life. So receive the faith of Christ passed down to you from the Father in heaven. Receive the love of God poured out into your hearts. And give that love to your brothers and sisters. Obey the commands of your Father and do not despise his correction. By this faith, by this faith, the faith of Christ, the true Son of God, you have already overcome the world. What a glory. What a grace. What an honor. What a love that we have in Christ. It's not burdensome, it's light. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.